Another thing we've got on is our men's event, and James is going to have a few words about that now. Morning, morning. So Tuesday, the 27th of September is our men's event. Uh, I did, we did have a slide uh, to email me, and obviously being men, not many people have, so I'm here to plug it shamelessly. Um, it's 7 till 9.30. We got Wes McNabb doing a talk for us that night, who preached here a little while back, did a service, very good. And it's about men of character, not of culture, which is from the book of Daniel, so it should be a really good uh, talk and something great to listen to. Uh, we're doing pizzas and pudding but only £6, and there will be drinks as well, soft drinks. Um, if pizzas isn't your thing, let me know, and we can always work around it and work something out, which is not a problem. Um, there will also be books on the night as well, which uh, uh, John Cowley's kindly subsidised for only £5. I did have a very sort of short skim read of one of them, um, which was called Being the Bad Guys, which was a really, really interesting read. What, what I'd read of it so far was absolutely brilliant, so... I will definitely be getting one of those. Um, so, yeah, please come along. I think it's going to be a really good evening. Last year was an amazing success. It was a really lovely evening. We had a great talk. We had a great fellowship together. We had some nice pizza, some really nice puddings. So, yeah, please do let me know. I've only had a few emails, so I will come round. If you can come and grab me at the end, I'll put your names down. If there's anything you need to know, please grab me at the end. And also, like I said, if pizza isn't your thing, do let me know, and I'm sure we can work around that. It's not a problem. So, thank you very much. Thank you. Please, gents, do uh, remember to grab James uh, after the service if you're hoping to come. Um, now on for the ladies. Um, you are more likely to be organised than the men, as a general stereotype. But, in a few weeks' time, there is the ladies' conference. All of the ladies are really welcome to go. People who've been in the past have thoroughly enjoyed it. It's a good speaker, a good subject, um, so do let Esther know. I know a number of you have already. There's quite a good number going, but there's room for some more. Then lastly, lastly, um, something from the parents. Um, and this came from uh, listening about um, what was going on with the Queen. And it's really an encouragement to you. Um, someone was uh, reporting having... Uh, being talking to the Queen. And the Queen was, and they were saying how often the Queen was sharing with them as a 70, 80, 90 year old the hymns that her dad had taught her as a child. And I know for us as parents, it sometimes feels really hard thinking, is it worth telling the children about Jesus? Is it worth singing these songs with them? And the answer is yes. God takes them and puts them in their mind and literally thousands of people will have read about how the Queen not only remembered and was blessed by what her dad taught her, but it really reinforced her faith in Christ. So do, if your children, parents... Do, do be encouraged. The children do remember, and it is worth it. And that moves us nicely to our first song, where we sing to celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. So when the music starts, let's stand and sing. Come people of the risen King.
Let's pray. Oh Lord our God, we ask that you will help us to pray to you, the great, mighty King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, we, we as mere creatures, we are as people that you have made, need your help to come to you. Oh Lord, we, we need you to help us to, to have the right thoughts, to come with the right words. But we thank you that even though that you are so great, so pure, so holy, so powerful, you call us to come. You call us to come to you and pour out our hearts to you. And we pray that you will help us to be free in our worship of you now. Oh Lord, we pray that you will help us to be free from distraction as we come to the one who never changes. The one who is always there. Oh Lord, as we've been seeing so much, thinking so much about the shortness of life, Oh Lord, we thank you that we come to the God who is, who was, and who is to come. And we thank you, Lord, that you welcome everyone who turns to you into your family. Oh Lord, we thank you that there are no barriers, no qualifications, just simply that we have heard your call to turn from our own ways and follow you. And we have trusted that the son you sent paid the price for our sins so that we can be welcomed into your family. Oh Lord, we thank you that your love never changes, that each one of your children is your child forever and that nothing can separate us from your love. Oh, Father, we thank you as well that your Holy Spirit lives in the heart of each one of your children. And we pray that we will see your Spirit's power at work in our lives. We pray that we will know you more. We pray that we won't just be people who know something about God, but that we know the reality of you at work in our lives. Oh Lord, we thank you that we don't have to guess at what you want. We thank you that you give us your word. We pray that you will speak to us through it. And we ask, Lord, that you'll help John as he um, speaks to the children shortly. Lord, we pray that you'll help them to understand. But most of all, Lord, we pray that we will all know the joy and peace which comes from knowing you that we will have a a settled certainty that you are good, that you are in control, and that you love us. So do be with us as we continue our worship. Amen. So John Hitch has got a children's talk, so if you're in the class of child, would you like to come up the front? Good morning. Great to see you all each week. Uh, welcome. Now, how do you think my bits of wood are uh, held to the chair? Yeah, Jess. By magnets, yeah. Anyone got 
magnets, toys with magnets, magnets and toys, or on your clothes, perhaps some pops or something. Yep, we use lots of magnets. Okay, right, so I want to hand these out first because I need somebody to, you have that one, you have that one, can you have that one? And that one, Annie, I've got a different job for you, could you have that one, that'd be great, cool. Right, okay, good. So now this morning I want to learn uh, the meaning of a word. It's a great word, and it's a word that's going to come up in Colossians, which is what we're going to be looking at in the next uh, little while. And it's this word. I wonder if any of you know what it means. Oh, it's here already, look. Reconcile, or being reconciled. Does anyone know what that means before we start? Do you know what the word reconcile means? No? Okay, let's get straight into it then. So this is what it really means. It means uh, for people to make friends again, or for there to be peace between people who were once enemies. So that's a really good thing, isn't it? So you might have fallen out with your friend, or perhaps your parents, and uh, there's a time of reconciling. You come back together and say, I love you, I'm good friends with you. Um, I'm sorry. And there's peace between them. So that's a great word. And, but it's, it's a word in the Bible, and it tells us uh, that we need to be reconciled to somebody. So let's have, the, let's have uh, you come up with the word sinner, and who's got God, the word God. Okay, do you want to come up the front? Okay, now we've got some magnets on here, quite strong magnets. So I want you to hold it and try and connect them together. So I turn it around. Is it, oh, is it? Whoa, right, I've got a scientist here. Physicist. So what, they won't connect? No. But magnets pull together? Yeah. Yeah? So why aren't they? Positive and negative. Right, okay, okay. You're clever, aren't you? You are clever. Okay, right. So they're push, rather than attracting to each other, they're pushing each other away. And, um, good, that's great. Do you want to go and sit down? Thank you. Yeah, so they won't go together. Look how much ever we, we try, they won't go together. Okay? Because they're pushing away from each other. Now, so here we've got the word God. So we're talking about the God who's in the Bible, our creator. And uh, sinner, well, who does that describe? Yeah? Good boy, yeah, us, all of us in here. You're little sinners, and a lot of us are big sinners. Okay? And uh, and that's how the Bible describes us. Some people get quite offended by that. Perhaps you're offended by that. But it's the truth, and we want to know what the truth is, don't we? We're not little angels. We're sinners. And what it really means is we've bro- we're lawbreakers. We've broken God's law. And what it does is it pushes us away from God. It separates us from God. Uh, Annie, can I, you have this. All right, because we've got a Bible verse we're going to work, work through. So do you want to click it once? Okay, right. Oh, it, can you see that? Yeah, it's a bit small, isn't it? So can somebody read that for us? Yeah, go on then, Jess. Nice and loudly. Okay, right. So, that's saying we were separated from God because of our sin. We are now enemies of God. That's quite a serious, serious thing, isn't it? And what we need is somebody to reconcile us back to God. We can't do it uh, because our sins have separated us from God. We need somebody to reconcile us, to make peace between us and God, to make us friends with God. But how, how can that happen? So, Annie, give us the next part of the verse, uh, and who's going to read it for us? Yeah, would you like to read it for us? Yeah, nice and loud. Okay, yeah, but now Christ has made you God's friend again. So, who's got Jesus on the bit? Yeah, do you want to come up here? And, um, well, is Jesus 
Friends with God? Is he close to God? Let's have a look. Yeah, well and truly fixed there. Thank you. Do you want to go and sit down? So Jesus is God's wonderful son. And Jesus is God as well. That's hard to understand fully. So there together. And what Jesus has done, he has brought us back to God. That's amazing, isn't it? How can Jesus, Jesus sort out all of our sin and everything that made us God's enemy and separate from him, connect together? Well, the next part of the verse tells us, Annie, who's going to read, someone else read that? Yep, Lydia, do you want to read that nice and loud? Good, well done. So let's have the other bits. Flynn, do you want to come and put yours on? That goes on the top. Well done. And who's got the other one? Yeah. Good. Do you want to come and put that on the underneath? That's it. Well done. And that reminds us that, as the verse says, how Jesus brought us back to God, how Jesus reconciled us to God, made us his friends, made us peace with God, is by his death, while he was in the body, while he was here on earth as a real man, so that he might bring you into God's presence. And there's something even more amazing. Last part of the verse. Annie, why don't you read that for us? He brings you before God as people who are holy, with no wrong in you, and with nothing God can judge you guilty. They're great words. So when we are reconciled to God, when we're his friends again, we can never ever be his enemies again. And that is seriously good news. And really that's what the gospel is all about. God sending his son to reconcile us back to God. And you know what? Paul in the Bible said, I'm begging you. He was really serious about this because he knew how important it was. I beg you, be reconciled to God. He's saying, oh, it's so important that you're brought back to God, that you don't live and die as enemies of God by putting your trust in Jesus Christ, turning away from your sin. You can be reconciled to God, made his friends and at peace with God. That's great news. Good, well done. Go and sit down, thank you. Thanks, John. Well, the next song that we join in singing is the story of somebody who knows what was in the children's talk. It talks about the one who was lost in darkest night, thinking they knew the way. They're finding it in Jesus. So let's stand and see.
pray again. Our Lord, we've uh, just been singing, Lord, take my ransom life in any way you choose. And Lord, we pray that practically you will help us to live like that, to think about today, to think about tomorrow as belonging to our great Saviour and great King. And Lord, we do pray that you'll take our ransomed lives and we might know the privilege of serving the great King, of knowing you and your power and having lives that are making a difference, having lives that are making a difference for eternity, having a life that is valuable. Oh Lord, we thank you that our our national psyche has been reminded of the service of our our Queen, but also of the fact that life comes to an end. And Lord, we pray that that will be something that grips and grasps us. Oh Lord, we pray that you will save us from wasting our lives on things that don't really matter. And Father, we do thank you that there is forgiveness with you for the wasted days. There is forgiveness with you for the worst than wasted days, the days we've spent trying to get what we want selfishly, trying to live our own way, trying by cheating, by lying, by stealing. Oh Lord, you you know our hearts. You know what each one of us have done. You know what each of us is guilty of. And we thank you. We thank you that whatever we have done, the cross of Jesus paid the price for whoever comes to you. And you say that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and you're just to forgive us our sins. And we pray that for us as individuals, you'll help us to do that. Oh Lord, you know us. And Lord, we hate that barrier that sin causes between us and you. And we thank you that as you know us, you know what each of us is going through. Oh Lord, you know some of us have pain. Some of us, some of our brothers and sisters are in hospital and they're in pain and they're worried and they're not enjoying the freedom they usually have. Oh Lord, we pray that you'll bring healing for them. We pray that you'll uh, give the doctors and nurses wisdom and that they will be restored to full health. But we pray too that they will know patience as they wait for the healing. Oh Lord, you know that there are many who grieve. Oh Lord, do come alongside them, do comfort them, do remind them that you are the friend that sticks closer than any brother. And then so many of us have so many worries, so many things that seem so big to us, whether it's the fear of things that are coming up or the pressure of things that are happening now. And you know we struggle to carry that weight and and we pray that you will help us to cast our cares on you, to leave them with you. Knowing that you care about us and we are so glad that you do. 
And Lord, we pray that you will give us your heart to care about the things you care about most of all. Oh Lord, sometimes we get worried about things that don't really matter. Oh Lord, give us your mindset, give us your priorities, we pray. Oh Lord, we pray for those we love who don't know you. We pray that you will work in their hearts to bring them to know you, to know the joy and peace that comes through believing. Oh Lord, we do thank you that as a church, lots of people hear from us about you. And we pray that you'll take what's been taught in Sunday school, what's been taught in Rooted, what's planned to be taught in Connect on Monday. Oh Lord, we pray that those words will work mightily, work quickly in the lives of the children and young people who've, who've, who've heard them so that they have less of a wasted life, so that their lives are transformed from now to being your children, to being in your family, to knowing the king and being able to work for him. Oh Lord, we thank you that older people here too, whether it's in first Tuesdays, and we pray especially about exploring Christianity. Lord, we thank that lots of people are interested And Lord, we pray that their questions will be answered and that you will become real to them so that Jesus is not just an interesting figure of history but their saviour, their Lord and their friend. Oh Lord, we do need you so much. And we pray that as we look at your word in a few minutes, Lord, we ask that you will take John's word. We pray you'll help him to be really clear, but we pray that it will be something that goes into our hearts and changes our lives so we realise a bit more about you, so that our minds are more in line with your mind. (coughs) And Lord, as we look forward as a nation to the Queen's funeral service, oh Lord, we thank you that millions of people will be watching that on TV. That there will be thousands, or at least hundreds, of heads of state, of people of power, hearing your word. Oh Lord, we need you to work in our world. Uh, and We pray that if it could be your will, that you will give those who speak power from on high, your power so that your word doesn't feel like some old fusty tradition that worked for a previous generation, but it comes alive and that the truth that everyone who hears that is is a sinner, that everyone will be accountable to the king of kings and give account of what they've done in their bodies and yet no one is too awful no one is too bad no one is ruled out oh lord we pray that there will be a sense of being prepared to meet your god and that people will turn from their wicked ways and back to you oh lord That seems an almost incredible thing to pray. But we know that you are able to do more than we ask or even think. 
And we do thank you that your good news will travel and is travelling through the world. That all over the world, thousands of people are coming to know you as their friend and their saviour. And we pray, whether it's in Cyprus or Papua New Guinea or in countries that we don't know anything about, that you'll help those who spread the good news and that that good news will be rescuing people out of darkness and giving them lives in the light. And Lord, we pray that for ourselves. Lord, help us to know you, to know what it is to live in the light, to know joy and peace in believing. Oh Lord, we thank you you sent Jesus. And we thank you that there's no one who is excluded. So do be with us, we pray. Amen. John's going to come and read the Bible passage that he'll be speaking from in a few minutes. To set the scene before I read, I expect it went um, something like this. A man is walking east through Turkey. Um, There's no royal mail or delivery service, so he has a couple of scrolls in his backpack. His name is an unusual name, Tychicus, and he has a companion with him who also has a strange name, Onesimus. They're travelling with information from a prisoner, probably under house arrest in the city of Rome. That prisoner's name is Paul, he's an early Christian leader. He is an apostle. A person called Timothy was alongside Paul when the letter was written. Uh, Paul dictated the words that went on the scroll. Uh, Possibly Timothy wrote them down. But Paul signed it off by hand. But it's not just Paul's words... God's Spirit was at work in the Apostle Paul, inspiring him so that what was written down forms part of God's Word. It's uh, the early 60s, probably, first century. And uh, as he travels eastwards, he goes through the beautiful Lycus Valley. He passes two other towns, Laodicea and Hierapolis. One of the scrolls is for one of those places. He then arrives in Colossae, a small city, a town really, and he delivers the other scroll to one of the church leaders. The next Lord's Day, the next Sunday, the believers are meeting together and the scroll is unrolled and read out. And what's on this scroll? Well, it contains deep truth for them in their particular situation. It will encourage them, it will reassure them, it will protect them, it will guide them. It will tell them more about Jesus. It will help them to understand cosmic things about God and his Son and what has been done and accomplished. It will give them down-to-earth guidance on your attitude to your boss 
on how children should be to their parents and how Christians should relate together. The letter handed over and read was Colossians. And that's what we're going to be reading now and looking at in the coming weeks on Sunday mornings. Um, Today we're going to read the top part of the scroll and be especially focusing on that, but I'm also going to read the bottom part of the scroll as well, hoping that you'll get a sense of the scene that's set so that we'll understand the letter as we go through it. So we'll now turn to Colossians, it'll be on the screen, I haven't looked up the page number, but uh, Colossians chapter 1, if somebody's arrived at Colossians in their church Bible, can they shout out the 983, so if you've got a church Bible you're following it with, it's 983, and we're going to read the first eight verses, and then go through to chapter 4. So verse 1, and hopefully you'll draw in some of the scene setting as we read. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister on your behalf and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And then we go to chapter 4, and we'll be reading from verse 17. Now from verse 7 to verse 18. This is how he sort of draws it to a close. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may be encouraged, that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him, and Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. 
Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfil the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Well, we're going to sing together now our third hymn. It's a hymn written by somebody who thought much of Jesus. It's a well-known older hymn. He's thinking in terms of it tasting so good to think about all the things that Jesus is. So it puts in this quite quaint way to us, perhaps, how sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes his sorrows, heals his wounds, and drives away his fear. We're going to sing it through. It's a tune that combines two verses together. You'll see that as we sing.
messages make a difference. I think as the parent of somebody in a military situation in the war gets a communication that their son are missing as a result of enemy action. Think of the scenes in the House of Commons a couple of weeks ago when a message was being passed around about the uh, news of the Queen's health. Uh, good news makes a difference. Because the sixth former who opens their envelope and finds that they've got the grade that they wanted. You think of the phone call which says that the hospital tests are clear. Our lives need a message that will make a difference. A difference to our status, a difference to our relationships, a difference to our future, a difference to our identity. If you haven't heard that message, or as yet had it impact your life, then this morning may help as we go into these verses. If you have heard that message, then looking at it this morning and coming weeks may strengthen that message in your mind and your commitment to it and its effect upon you. This message is the gospel. It's a message about Jesus Christ. And this letter to the Colossians, it starts quite upbeat. So he he has a significant greeting in the first couple of verses and then Paul heads out on a note of thanksgiving. You see it in verse 3. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. And his thanks praises God and his thanks encourages them and his thanks reminds them and reassures them of the things that they have heard and have affected them in the past. His thanksgiving takes them back to what they heard, to the gospel message and to what it did to them. And it had quite an impact on them when it came. And he reminds them of that. So it's, if you like, good memories encased in thanksgiving that we have here in our main verses, which are verses 3 to 8 of Colossians 1 this morning. He gives thanks to God for them and what happened amongst them. And as we look at these verses, I want us to think, particularly pick out three things about the gospel which are true from these verses and which will help us and give lessons for us uh, this morning. The first is the gospel's quality. The gospel's quality. What it's like. He reminds them of the sort of message that they received. The sort of message which is taught here, the sort of message which is taught in many churches which aim to convey the Bible's teaching we get a deeper understanding of it as we go through the letter. But we, we're on to something already at the outset here in these first few verses. We realise about this message of the gospel that it is good news. Gospel means, really, good news. 
It's the clear announcement of what we need to hear. It's the clear announcement of what we want to hear. Uh, The nation has, hasn't it, been under a cloud, really, of bad news. The formal board went on the railings of Buckingham Palace and we are in a, a period of mourning. In this letter, we bathe really in the sunshine of, of good news. It is good news that came to them. It is good news we have in this letter. It is also truth. He talks about it in verse 5. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. There is loads banded around, isn't there, that is wishful thinking. There is loads that's banded around that's deceptive sales talk. There is loads that's banded around which is fake news. But here, the Colossians have heard, are hearing the word of truth. It's reliable. It gives light. It's a sure guide. It's a solid foundation. And that should be quite appealing, isn't it? Truth. Quality of the message is good news. It's the word of truth. It's about Christ. It's about Jesus. It's it's him that they have arrived at faith in. The messenger who brought it, we find, is a messenger of Christ in these verses. Jesus is directly mentioned over 20 times in just the four chapters we come across, and he really saturates the letter. The letter is chiefly about him, because this message is chiefly about him. In fact, in verse 18 of this first chapter, it says this, that in everything he might be preeminent. So the news on the gates, if you like, the news on the railings is about Jesus. And it is that he has died. But on the board it also includes that he is risen again and about the implications of that for who he is and for our lives and for our future. It's also a message about God's grace. This is part of the quality of the message. And you have that in these thanksgiving verses, the end of verse 6. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Sadly, so much um, religion, even a lot of religion which is presented in the name of Christianity, is about trying to be good enough for God. Achieving acceptance with God by what we do. And we can't. But God in his mercy has done something amazing which stoops down and which can make us acceptable. It's a message of God's grace. It's the message of reconciliation, which we had wonderfully summed up this morning in those visual aids. It's a message about 
God's grace. And we'll see that as we go through the letter, that there are some people that are trying to nudge the Colossians away from what they've received to entice them to something else, to add stuff to it which isn't going to help. And so, right from the outset, in these verses, these thanksgivings verses, we're reminded of the, the quality of the message of the gospel. Something which needs to be prized, loved, held on to. And if this message of the gospel is something you haven't really become familiar with, up till now, or not in a personal or proper way. I hope you're realising the quality of the gospel message that we're thinking of this morning, we will be thinking of in coming weeks. And maybe if you have received and accepted the gospel in the past, maybe you're sometimes feeling some enticement away to other things, then this book, this letter we're going to look at, perhaps this morning too, will remind you to to prize, to delight, to grasp hold on, to deepen your understanding of the gospel message. So we have the gospel's quality in these Thanksgiving verses, and we have the gospel's impact, what it does. So we learnt, thinking about the start, weren't we, of talking uh, through this, that messages make a difference. Phone calls, letters, the boards, that news transforms situations. And Paul, as he gives thanks, gives thanks that that's happened to these people at Colossae. The gospel message had made a big impact in their lives. There are three things that it produced, amongst others. And there are three things that a genuine response to the gospel does produce. They're often put together in the New Testament, and we have them here in verses 4 and 5. He gives thanks, verse 4, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. The message had produced faith. It came with a conviction of being true to them. It it met a deep need. It came with God's stamp of authority. God worked in their hearts by his spirit uh, to produce faith in Jesus Christ who was at the centre of the message. And they became genuine believers, not just in anything, but in the central figure, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now some people say, I've heard this said a fair bit, I wish I could have your faith. And maybe you listen in or come here this morning and you say, I, I, I wish I could have the faith of some of those people there. Well, if you give your attention to this message of the gospel, then maybe you'll find that faith. It was part of the impact at Colossae. But it had produced something else. It had produced love. That was part of the impact. In becoming believers... Um, the people at Colossae had felt a new sense of belonging. 
and they felt part of a new family. Uh, We get that a little bit in the greeting, if we just zip back to verse 2. He writes to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. He said that they had a new sense of belonging, they were in Christ, they were saints. So, just to get clear, saints aren't sort of legendary, notable Christians who have done miracles. In the Bible, in the New Testament, saints are anyone who's become a believer, who's been sort of brought in, separated by God to be part of his church. And the Colossians were saints, and they were in Christ, and he calls them brothers or brothers and sisters. They were part of the family of God. And as being part of this new family, this new sense of being with others, it produced a new love in their heart for others who were, all, for, for, for lots of people I'm sure, but especially for others who were believers. So he gives thanks for the love that you have for all the saints. God's love, known by them, overflows out of them to others. Now, sadly, um, Christians can, can often fall short of how they should live. Maybe you've experienced that. We here often fall short of how we should live. But at its best... Christian relationships shine out with love. They do, don't they? And uh, sometimes for those who've never seen it before, it's quite impressive. And it's different. And it's authentic. We've had people in the past who have become believers in Christ and part of what brought them was just a sense of, well, there's a different love amongst those who know Jesus. And I'm attracted to it. And that's what had happened at Colossae. They'd become people who showed more love, the impact of the gospel message on them. But it had produced a third thing. It had produced hope. And he gives thanks for that because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. It had transformed their view of the end of their lives. We had a funeral here uh, earlier in this week and it was obviously a a Christian uh, funeral because of um, uh, the lady involved and being here. And I know, again, people that were here were, were struck by the genuine sense of hope that there is at a Christian funeral when we had Kathleen Rouse's funeral earlier this week. And I've heard of other situations that where, where, where there is a genuine faith and it's not just sort of painting a nice positive picture which nobody really believes deep down, where there is a genuine faith that there is something very different, authentic, positive, encouraging, so that sometimes Christian funerals, although there is a tremendous sadness over the sense of loss, also have combined with them this note of tremendous positivity and hope, which is very genuine. Perhaps it will be the same tomorrow, as a lady of Christian faith is buried and it's noticed by so many across the globe. Believers have eternal life. 
Death is not the end. In many ways, death is the start. And so, faith, love and hope are are what's produced in these Colossians and is what is produced in Christians. And it wasn't just there. It was the general pattern, says Paul in verse 6. The word of the truth, the gospel which has come to you as it indeed, as, as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Faith, hope and love often brought together as the impact of the gospel. This week I was starting to read 1 Thessalonians. Here he starts with thanksgiving and says in verse 2 of chapter 1, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labour of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So they, they were encouraged as they heard this, that the gospel had changed them, they were on to a good thing, and they shouldn't get nudged off course. Well, perhaps you think about these three things, faith, love, and hope, and you say, that's what I need. I would really love a genuine faith, an experience of genuine love, and to know genuine hope. Well, Remember, it is the message of good news through Jesus Christ, through these things, that these things come through. Uh, maybe for you seeing a, a coffin on the news each day of somebody you respected and looked up to makes you think about the end of life and you think, is there any hope beyond Maybe you hear of the Queen's deep-rooted Christian faith and you feel as though you're just swimming around in the currents of life with no stability. Maybe despite having uh, maybe some good family relationships and care and concern, you feel that so much of your life has, has lacked real love love that comes from knowing God's love, well, then you need a a genuine encounter with this gospel which brings faith, love and hope because that is the impact of the gospel. And as we look at these Thanksgiving verses, we also see the gospel's transmission or the gospel's spread. How had uh, the people in the town of Colossae come across this message? Um, an angel had not uh, dropped a message down to them. Paul hadn't visited them. You know, the Apostle Paul had never visited Colossae. We learn that from the letter. God uses more everyday, uh, everyday means in reaching people with the gospel. It had come through this man named Epaphras. 
And Paul in his thanksgiving reminds them of this, verse 7. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. It worked something like this. You know, sometimes when there are big events, uh, people go travelling around the country to the big event. So you've got that in London at the minute, haven't you, with people all across the country going to London and you've got queues for hours and miles because of what is happening in London. Well, a few years earlier, Paul had been speaking about Jesus at a big city west of Colossae called Ephesus. And it had proved quite a a big event with comings and goings of people. Acts 19 says this, he'd been speaking to people about the kingdom of God and then verse 10, this continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia, that's Asia Minor, Turkey, not the whole continent, All the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And it seems that Epaphras was one of them. And he heard the message of the gospel from Paul, and he took it back to his hometown of Colossae. And he passed it on to them. And it had a big influence on the town. And although though Epaphras is no longer in the town or the city of Colossae, um, he still cares for them, he's still rooting for them, he's still praying for them, he's still wanting them to grow. So the gospel was transmitted by someone, by someone bringing it, by somebody loving the people of the town, passing it on to them, praying for them, uh, wanting them to be built up. That that is what God used. And so it carries on today. And maybe if you think about it now, you've had an Epaphras in your life who's lovingly brought to you the message of Jesus. Maybe they were a work colleague or or a friend or or, um, maybe part of your family or they were your camp leader. And lovingly concerned, they have brought to you the message of the gospel. Well, well, thank God for that. Thank God for them. Don't don't lose what they've given you. Don't forget what they've brought. If they're if they're still good, faithful people, don't allow their influence to get pushed away. Hold them as close friends. You're drifting away from people who have been a genuine help. Well, that's not a good move. Keep your Epaphras close to you. Keep valuing the message he brought. Or maybe you are or can be an Epaphras-like figure. Taking the message to those you live with or mix with because perhaps nobody else will. So you come back with the message and you hit the town or the zone or you just lovingly pass it on to those that you're with. Well, with God's help, you can. That is God's way of transmitting the gospel, using folk who love, pray, care to pass on the truth to others so that it can impact them with faith, love and hope.
So we learn about the gospel's transmission. So the gospel has reached the town. The gospel's come to the town and it's made a big change. I had a friend message me during the week. Um, He's involved with another church and he's involved with an exploring Christianity type group. And uh, this is what he put on his message. He gave me an update. I'd had another night of exploring Christianity quite near the end of their course. He said, God was so good and it seems he's definitely doing a great work in a number of the group's lives. I knew it was going to be a great evening when one guy walked in with a t-shirt that said in huge print, John 3.16 and then underneath, saved by the grace of God. Well, it's only a t-shirt and not everybody wears their beliefs on their clothes, but this guy was expressing a change that had gone on. A change involves faith, hope and love. If you see that in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And the gospel often does that. Makes an impact. Brings a change. And it had done for the people at Colossae. And so Paul here gives thanks for what God has done in them that the good news had reached the town. We'll finish here. But that was just the start. We, um, if you like, we praise God that that man had uh, put the T-shirt on and the way it reflects what was happening. But of course, the new T-shirt is not the end of the story, is it? That man needs to grow in understanding. That man needs to make sure that those who try to nudge him off course don't succeed. That man needs to continue in John 3.16 and the grace of God. That man needs to live it out. And it's good if we have, if you like, the t-shirt of love, faith and hope. But we too need to grow and deepen in our understanding it. We too need to make sure we're not nudged off course. We too need to be kept in it. We need to continue in it. We need to live it out. And as we go on through this letter of Colossians, we find that that's the aim of the letter. Let me finish with two key verses that will set the scene. For coming weeks. Colossians 1 verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Chapter 2 verses 6 and 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so Walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So good news has reached the town and this town needs to stay, continue and be lived out. And we'll find help in that as we carry on through this letter.
Well, our last song is one of thanksgiving, and it's of thanksgiving for the gospel. It is the song, My heart is filled with thankfulness to him who bore my pain, who plumbed the depths of my disgrace and gave me life again. Let's sing our last song. there is a fellowship meal afterwards uh, is there anything I need to say about that or aiming for one o'clock welcome to stay let's pray Heavenly Father we thank you for this message of the gospel the message of truth the message about Jesus the message of God's grace which produces faith and love and hope we're reminded of what it is produced in what it has produced in us so many of us and we thank you for it we pray for others who are maybe feeling the attraction of this message about Jesus and we pray that together and through the course of this letter we'll be strengthened in our faith deepened in our understanding prizing the gospel looking to live it out. Make it useful in our lives for your glory, we pray. Amen.